This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. The protege defeats the master. Israel Adesanya earns a decision win over Anderson Silva. Robert Whitaker hospitalized on fight day, leaving the middleweight division in limbo. UFC 236 is less than two months away, and nobody has a clue what's going on with it. Artem Lovov signs with Bare Knuckle FC and will earn pay-per-view points? Uh, on what? What does Cain Velasquez have left in the tank? We'll find out this weekend as he joins us on the TSN MMA show. He faces Francis Ngannou on the first ever ESPN card. Um, we're looking forward to watching that. Now, thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa or to the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe, and we appreciate listener feedback. So if you have anything you want to tell us in general, any questions, at Aaron Bronstetter and at Bazooka Joe V on Twitter is where we can be reached. And uh, if you go to at Madonna, you'll see something pretty yeah. interesting in the last couple of days. Yes. She, she, I don't know where they found this. On uh, They must have Googled bloody faces. I don't know what it is. But you said Madonna's a fight fan. But Yeah, uh, I saw her at uh, UFC... Which one was it? Was it? It was. It was a big one. I think it was like Connor versus Alvarez. I think it was UFC two hundred five. I might be wrong. Yeah. yeah well, regardless, she posted a picture of uh, her face that kind of transforms into my bloody face, and kind of saying like um, Saint. Even Saint Valentine's had to fight for what he believed in her. I just thought it was cool. I kept getting all these messages. My phone was blowing up of everybody messaging me saying. What? How did Madonna get your picture? <laughs> Still pissed she didn't tag me in it. But uh, so Madonna, if you listen, tag me. Well, Ariel, it, it, Ariel retweeted it, so okay. maybe we can get some traction here. Hey, all right. Get you, get you a nice Valentine's Day date like with Madonna. That. I would like that. I asked her on my Instagram if she'd be my Valentine. It'd be a nice no, Valentine. No response. Day. No response yet. <laughs> Still waiting. I'm hopeful. Just, just like all these, every situation. With I Angel. sent chocolates. No I sent teddy bears. I sent everything and nothing. Yeah, Madonna, come on. She'd be <laughs> lucky. Man, that would be a fun Valentine's Day. Yeah, why not? What's your favorite Madonna song? I don't even know. Don't even put me on the spot. I, I love asking you about you. music. It's, it's no. great. I don't know anything about music. You yeah. want to ask me about kickboxing and fighting? I'm in. All right. Well, yeah. So now you know that she's been yeah. to a UFC event. So There you go. Uh, all right. So a uh, lot happened over the weekend, unfortunately not of a positive nature, with Robert Whitaker, unfortunately, on fight day, uh, having to pull out of the fight. You know, this rarely happens in a championship fight that it happens after the way. And it happened with Nunez uh, at UFC 223, I believe, yeah. the International Fight Week, when she had the sinus uh her sinuses flare up, or sinusitis flare up against uh, before she fought Valentina Shevchenko, which but is very popular, by the way. Was that the sinus sins? infections yeah. before fights? Yeah, I can imagine yeah. a lot of people get them, and I think she she has found a way to uh, regulate it. But uh, it doesn't look like she's going to be fighting for much longer. She put something out saying that she might retire after this next fight, but we'll we'll huh. see how it goes. Yeah. That would be going out on top. <laughs> beats Holly yeah. Holm. Who else? I'm into beats that. Rousey Holm and Cyborg. Like, I, who else? That's how who I think else fighters you need should to beat? go out. Yeah, that's how you should go out. Yeah, you, uh, you don't want to stick around too long yeah if she's smart and she's you know financially set that's the way to do it i mean she never got that win over the elusive betch cohea but you know we can't yeah. can't win them all yeah um robert whitaker uh, was hospitalized and uh, it was funny you, you go on social media and you see fans ripping him like yeah. he, he could have died like it's no joke my, my daughter just had hernia surgery a couple weeks ago yeah when she when we got her uh when we were discharged from the nicu we were told that she had a hernia that needed to get removed in whatever a couple of months. You can live with it, and it's, it's not a big deal. But um, if it flares up, they told us yeah. like if, they, if she starts vomiting or flares up or whatever, you have to go to emerge immediately. She needs immediate surgery. Yeah. And Robert yeah. Rob was vomiting and had to get yeah, taken to the, the, to emerge. I mean, your, he, your intestines are coming as he's out being of your rolled abdominal. into the to surgery. He's like, no, I still want to fight. It's For like, sure, well, of he course does. he does. But you know, yeah. that's kind of it's life yeah. or death here. Yeah, and I mean, your intestines are coming out of your abdominal yeah, wall. Like, it's, it's crazy. you don't want that hidden rupturing. And, I mean, man, it's scary, but it's stupid to hear people, you know, criticize them for that. 
I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, even... You know, Dana White was like, you can't control something like yeah, this. He was, like, come on. He people. was thankfully very grounded about uh, like, the situation. Understand that they're human, and there's a lot of stress going into a camp. Making weight cut, it's stressful. That's why we're sick all the time. That's why fight camp, your, your, your nutrition, your stress, the nerves, you're sick. It happens. So, I mean, um, just sad because of the luck he's had, what makes it more upsetting. Kelvin Gastelum parading around with Henry Cejudo's belt as if he's yeah. the new middleweight champion. Your thoughts? Stupid. <laughs> earn it, man. Come on. If you're going to even put a belt on, I know you're what you were playing with, but uh, earn your belt. Don't don't be flashing it like that. I actually feel like that hurt his cause rather than helped it. A lot of people say that's the kind of thing you have to do for promotion. You do what? what? Promote what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with what you. Are like, you promoting? Do, does he really think that people are going to take that title shot away? Like, I think people would be outraged. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, he that's... makes the weight. He's there. His opponent pulls out. Like, if he were the one who had to pull out, even if it's an emergency surgery, you can say, well, you know, he... He, his, the champion was there waiting to fight, but th- this is a situation where his, the champion was hospitalized, yeah. not him. So I don't think that anybody was going to take the shot away from Gastelum, even if Adesanya beat Anderson Silva in 20 seconds. Like, I still no. think that, that that shot has to no, be Because secure. of that situation, yeah. They put a whole ultimate fighter around it, too. Exactly. So they have to be able to honor that. I don't know. I just I, I didn't like it. It sucks for the Australian fans. There's two straight pay-per-views that were supposed to be headlined by Whitaker, and he, he doesn't make the walk, the walk, unfortunately. Yeah, but they, they stood up for Anderson and uh, Adis- uh, oh, yeah. Adesanya, right? It still was sold out. A lot of pe- didn't, you know, there weren't a lot of people returning their tickets regardless. Which it was offered, right? The UFC yeah, offered. offered people mm-hmm. to return their tickets, and they sold. They Still, everybody yeah, came, everybody it seemed, came right? and, if, and if they returned them, then people bought them at the box office. So uh, That main event was a lot of fun. We talked about this before the show a little bit. Is that like if we went back and watched it, knowing what happened, it's not as cool as it was when you're on the the edge of your seat, wondering if Anderson Silva is going to be able to rise to the occasion. Yeah, and it's when Anderson is like, "Is that counter punch coming?" And then when you see him snap Adesanya's head back with a few shots, you get excited, you got hyped up about it. Um, but I thought hearing the reaction from people, I mean, I guess because I'm so used to watching high level striking and high level kickboxing that I wasn't overly. Um, excited about it. I thought it was a great fight for MMA. I didn't think it was this spectacular um, fight that everybody's talking about, but I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was entertaining, and I, I was the result um, we kind of expected. And Anderson Silva is kind of one of the guys that really got me into the sport. Like watching him, his dominance and his crazy striking and everything, it was a little bit difficult for me to watch just at his age. The stuff that he wasn't able to, not the stuff yeah. that he was able to do, but the stuff he wasn't able to do. Like if he was throwing those spinning kicks to the calf, yeah, yeah, you know that those would have been stim- you know, spinning kicks to the solar plexus Something back in the a day, a little bit more reactive, yeah, or yeah. to the kidney or to the liver, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't look he didn't look bad, but he didn't look great. Like you said, like you know, he's in his forties now. You know, a young Anderson is just vicious, man, and it just wasn't the same. Um, I thought he, I thought he did rise to the occasion. I thought he looked good, as good as you're going to look against like a phenom that's 28, I believe, is Adesanya. Yeah. When he started pressuring, I loved it. When he yeah, started when coming he in, moving his head, yeah. walking forward, that's what, that's the fight you need against Adesanya. But if you're not, don't have the age or the stamina anymore to do that, but that's how you attack someone like Adesanya. You get in his face, you mix in those feints, you get aggressive with him. You need to be young. You need to be strong. That's how you take him out on the feet. You and, can't. So and Silva was implementing what I've been seeing uh, as being referred to as the beehive defense, where yeah. you're kind of swinging your arms in front of your face as if bees are attacking you. Yeah, yeah. How effective is that, especially against a guy like Adesanya, who's probably seen it all in the kickboxing uh, realm? Well, I mean, I, I like it as a distraction. 
I mean, if you, if you do that to someone and all of a sudden they just stare at your hands. So that for me is usually my setup when I want to use my kicks. So you kind of you'll kind of flash the hands in their face so they're just overwhelmed with the hands then you kick the leg. So it's for me it's a distraction. I think that's what he was just trying to do. I mean, at some points he was trying to do like this crossover defense to try to block punches, but was he trying to keep his hands down to try to get, you know, um Adesanya to, to throw something so he can counter, but he was getting hit. Adesanya's too smart. Like he's he knows Anderson's gonna counter punch, so an intelligent striker is gonna hit, move, stay, keep his distance, manage it well, and that's what he did. He wasn't taking those chances. Where an exciting fight, where we're all like, oh my god, that was the fight of the night, or when guys take those chances. So that's what it was kind of missing. The one thing that uh, got me down about that fight was the third round because I thought with Anderson. That was his chance to really try to pour it on and show that, you know, fight like it's now or never. Yeah. Because at his age, this is the last opportunity he's going to get at a title shot. Even if he would have won that round, he still would have lost the fight because two judges gave the second round to, Ander- yeah. to Adesanya regardless. But I think it would have been a lot more intriguing to, if he would have definitively won the third. You would have been on the edge of your seat to see how that decision went. Yeah, I, I think his leg was hurt. I don't think he... I mean, I talked about kicks being a factor, and Adesanya found that southpaw low kick over and over, and his leg was hurt. So I think it was really hard for him to try to put weight on that leg, and that distance control was just a lot for him. And you feel like that was barely mentioned during the commentary. Yeah, that I, that's where I, I always say, like, it was one of the biggest factors in that fight that wasn't mentioned. Um, I mean, they were hurting him. They were slowing him down. They were making him think twice. When he was getting hurt... That's when he had to use that beehive. That's when he had to do different things because he knew he couldn't just stand there anymore and play the singles game. And the game, that fight was a lot about singles. When you have two high-level guys that are good with their feet and there's a lot of risk when you attack, it slows the fight down. You rely on singles. And, I mean, it was just it was what had to be done, I feel. And there's a lot of talk that the Adesanya wasn't well. He was sick or something like that, so I don't know. I yeah, he said, he, well, he came to uh, Melbourne and he was sick, apparently. But apparently he got better as the week went on. But yeah. regardless of that, I, th- I still think that um, we might end up seeing a Gastelum versus Adesanya interim fight. Do you like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. Because they're saying Whitaker might not be ready till June at the earliest, probably July or August. That's a long time to wait, given that, that this was supposed to already happen. And that, you know, even though that win over Romero is a great win for Whitaker. It wasn't the title defense because he didn't make the weight. So the title hasn't been defended since Bisping defended it against GSP. Yeah, That's the last time the title was on the line, like the the, the undisputed title. So that's a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking Bisping's through, like, been long retired since yeah. then, and GSP hasn't fought since then. I was thinking, like, at first I was like, I don't know if it should be another interim title, but then it's not fair to Gaslam when you think about it. Like, if, if Adesanya doesn't get the interim title shot, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset about that. I think it's... You know, it wouldn't be be bad that he could even possibly fight the winner of Pablo Costa and Romero. That could be a, almost like a, a four man tournament to the belt. But I think you got to give Gaston the shot after him. You know, doing all he did, preparing and having the the chance taken away from him. So well, I guess it's got to be an interim. It title. might be better for Adesanya to wait because, I, frankly, I think that Whitaker's a better matchup for him than Gaston is. I think Gaston would be a much tougher matchup. Yeah, because I, he gets in. Yeah. yeah, he gets in. But I think also, the, like I think the distance would be a problem for Gaston. But once he got used to it, that's when it would become troublesome for uh, for Adesanya. And I think that if you know if Gaston is able to utilize his wrestling, he, he'll be by far the best wrestler that um, Adesanya will have faced. Yeah. Like, I'm still interested in the fights for me outside of titles and, and winning. I want to see Adesanya against more of, like, the, the Weidmans. I want to see him against a Romero. 
I would love to see him against a Luke Rockhold at 185. Um, those are the fights I like for him because that's where I want to see his full evolution in the game. Yeah, it's hard to say that he's really earned a title shot with the wins that he has. Like yeah. a win over an aged Anderson Silva, a win over Derek Brunson, a win over Brad Tavares. Like these are top 15 guys, but we're not talking about anybody in the top five. Yeah, and they're sitting on the other half. I mean, and you're kind of, I mean, what's, what, you, what's your first take on Paulo Costa versus Romero? Who wins that one? It's hard to know because Paulo Costa is a killer, but I mean, so is Romero, right? It's yeah. one of those ones where I've, I, this, that's a wait and see fight for me. That's one of those ones where we're going to see if Paulo Costa is as good as a prospect as everybody's talking about. But if I had to, like, if I had to make a pick, I'd probably go Romero. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning. It's in Miami. Uh, not that that always matters, but Romero looked so good against Whitaker in that last fight. Like, I, I think it would be impossible to say that Yoel Romero has passed his prime. I thought he won that fight against Whitaker, and Whitaker's the champion, like the undisputed champion. Yeah. Probably has beaten the best competition in the division. Yeah, it, it's when is that fight happening? Uh, that is April 27th in Miami. April 27th. Main event, ESPN. And they want, I was going to say they can break it up if they want, maybe put uh, Romero and Gaslam. But um, again, a lot of people don't want to see Paulo Costa and Adesanya right now. They want to make it, let them kind of evolve a bit before they, they match them up together. Well, I mean, from a promotional standpoint, it makes sense to put Adesanya against a winnable opponent for the championship. Yeah, keep building And if him. they think that he can beat Gastelum, maybe you do that. Because then, then he gets us to fight Whitaker afterwards, and then he can really establish himself, because I think both of those are, are decent matchups for Adesanya. I don't think that Gastelum's as good a matchup as Whitaker for Adesanya, because Whitaker's not going to threaten to take down quite as much. But... Um, I do think that that range is going to be tough for Gastelum to overcome. Yeah, for sure. We, we saw what happened against Wonderboy, right? At 170, he got, not, he got finished. Was, I think it's the only time he's been finished, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, because uh, by, not by strikes. I mean, a lot of guys, you give them credit for the ability of them to pressure, get forward, throw heavy hands. But someone who's good with range and counterfighting, like you know Adesanya, that kind of walks into his favor as well. So what you need to beat him also kind of helps Adesanya with his style. So it's, I'm sorry, it's tough. I, I made that up. It was Whitaker who got stopped by uh, Thompson, not, uh, not Gastelum. I, okay. I stand corrected. Yeah. Gastelum has you never, rarely, been, Gastelum's never been finished it's by, by knockout. So I don't want to, uh, I don't want to uh, get that wrong. Yeah. So that's a quick, it's rare. quick correction because in my head I was like, I can't picture Stephen Thompson versus Gastelum. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went back and looked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so Whitaker, again, that's why Whitaker might have some problems with a guy that has that kind of style. Like an Adesanya. Yeah. That, that's a lot of interesting ago, matchups. Happened. At least the, the division is, I mean, I think we're talking late last year that the middleweight division was terrible. I mean, we yeah. had no one, and now we're, you know, constantly talking about mm-hmm. it. And even Woodley's talking about making this, the jump to a 185 by yeah. the end of the year. So. And I mean, I for the beginning of this year, even the light heavyweight division, it's, it's a fun division now. And when I even. Mm, I don't agree with that. I'm happy because <laughs> I still liked it because I heard the Johnny Walker versus Misha Serkin. That's, a, that's so a that fight. for me, I'm that's I'm an excited fight. So that's why maybe I'm a little bit more excited. But there are names coming out of the, the 205 that I'm excited for. Who? Like, I can like only think Dominic of two. Reyes, Reyes, like. Reyes and Walker. Those I are like, like the two guys. But and I mean, Misha, Misha's, Misha's, Misha's there. To, could be mixed up. A lot of these guys have just been... You got Luke Rockhold coming up. That's and stepping Rockhold's in a good now. example. And Romero, after he fights Costa, might come yeah, up he's too. Gonna, I mean, I still think it's getting better. We got John Jones back. Of course. I mean, that's, that's the X factor. You know? So, I mean, look at those new names that we're excited about. So, I mean, it could be a good division. I mean, Yeah, you're going to have a lot more contenders than we're used to. I mean... Aside from Gustafson, if you looked from the top down, not much there. But even like Anthony Smith, throw him in there with Misha. Throw, we haven't even talked about uh, Vulcan Ostam, uh, yeah. one time. 
So, I mean, we haven't even talked about him recently. Yeah, so. he's fighting Dominic Reyes, so that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, so, I don't know. I think it's getting better. That's, that's the important part. Yeah, so, again, looking at uh, Anderson versus Adesanya, how would you say that Israel performed? Like, if you were to grade him. I thought he did well. I thought he did okay. You, you're a teacher. I thought he did okay. <laughs> I, I, wanna, I, I wouldn't Leonard say grade. it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was an A. I'd say he he got a, a good solid B. Okay, I mean that's fair. A, a solid B because he did what he had to do to win. He didn't take the risks that he necessarily had to. I mean, there's times where he had him hurt, where he probably could have pounced and, and kind of attacked more, but he didn't because he knew how dangerous Anderson was. He did get caught with some counter punches throughout the fight, but uh, it was a solid. He did what he had to do to win. I'll put it that way. For me to get an A, I needed a little bit more risk. Um, I felt the times that he was hurt, he could have attacked a little bit more, a, bit, a little bit more relentless with his kicks, um, but a good solid B. So um, Artem Lobov, according to Ariel Hawani, has signed a multi-fight deal with Bare Knuckle FC that will earn pay-per-view points. Now, how many points do you get if it sells like 2,000 pay-per-views? Yeah. Like how many buys does Bare Knuckle well. FC? I, I know it's cheaper. I think it's like nine ninety nine to get it, but let's say it does... Let's say let's let's shoot for let's the moon. Let's crazy. say it does thirty thousand buys Which at ten dollars. Yeah. It would be three hundred thousand. Yeah. So what cut does he get of that? Like, is he getting five to ten percent? Like, that still seems and they, high. So yeah. what, you get a thirty thousand dollar bonus. And he wanted that seven figure contract, but I mean, bare no knuckle, seven figure contract. No, he was saying it when he was on Hawaii. He's chasing it. That's why he's leaving. Now everybody's the UFC. chasing a seven figure contract. Yeah, he, he he felt like he was gonna get it, but when a three figure deal with bare knuckle, he's not getting much. I, I mean, he 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 is free to sign with MMA organizations. So there's that. Like maybe he ends up with Bellator, but at the same time. It's, it seems it's like, not the smartest. No, I don't to think lead so. the UFC for that, yeah, I mean, no. that's where it's kind of like that's where people are let go from the UFC. Yeah. Even if you're not, if you make at the end of the year a hundred thousand dollars less, it's okay. You're on the biggest platform. You get more attention, more media, more people following you, more people wanting to buy your T-shirts, more people following you on Instagram. I mean. There's a, a bigger factor than the, the, the dollar value sometimes. And when he when he first um, got released, he said that he, he, he'll do anything for that fight with Zubaira, Zubaira Tukhugov. I'm like, Zubaira Tukhugov's in the UFC. Yeah. And, you, and you're asking for your release, and now you say he'll do anything for that fight? You just like disqualified yourself from that fight because he's under contract. Well, And, and he's talking about, oh, I'm big fights here, all this money, I'm going to go to K1. Where, where, where are you going to get money in K1? Where yeah. is kickboxing yeah. going to yeah, give exactly. you the $7 figure? You, yeah. If you come into glory, you ain't making that much. And I promise you, you ain't going to get through the top 10, that's for sure. I mean, and you're asking for big fights like that in kickboxing? I mean, unless Japan wants to put them against someone in a Ryzen or maybe, I don't Maybe know. they do Artem versus Petch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, <laughs> Petch would eat him alive. That's crazy. But, I mean, and he's not going to get paid a million dollars for it, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, I don't well, know. You never know. Maybe I don't he's, know what maybe he's the biggest faction. Glory's going to open the wallets for Artem Lobov versus Petch. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I don't see it, <laughs> probably, but sure. Probably not. Um, oh, so, man. in less than two months from now, UFC 236 is happening. We have one fight on the card. It is um, Khalid Taha versus uh, someone whose name I'm forgetting. It's mm-hmm. like, that's the only that's fight. That's how good that's, it is? That's, oh, Boston Salmon. Sorry, it's Boston Salmon versus Khalid Taha is the only reported fight on the card. We don't know where it is. We don't know who's headlining it. Why I do don't you, even know who they are. Why do you th- yeah, why do you think this is being shrouded in mystery right now when, you know, it's coming up pretty quickly? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who they are. But I know this fight night is incredible. I know that, this, this, this one weekend? coming up. It's a, it's a sleeper, at least. Oh, but. it's excellent. This is an excellent card this weekend. But I'm just wondering why you have a pay-per-view where you don't have a... They just announced that it's in Chicago in June. 
Yet for April, we don't have a location. Do you have uh, an idea who they're looking for at that time? To fight? Yeah. Just based on process of elimination, I would say that Holloway is in the mix. I would say that Shevchenko is in the mix. Is is Ferguson booked for anything? I would say Ferguson Poirier is a possibility as an interim title fight. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So those are probably the, the options. Dillashaw, Cejudo, they're both a bit, like probably in the mix. Has anything come from that? Do we know anything um, regarding where Dane is heading? It seems like Cejudo versus Dillashaw is going to be the next one. At bantamweight. At bantamweight. Um, that's what Ariel has been saying. Is uh, his The indication that he's getting is that that's the direction they're going in. Okay. It's a more sellable fight than Marias versus Dillashaw, but I, you know, I just don't know if that's... Marias won't sell a, on the mic as well. Yeah, but from a That's meritocracy standpoint, I just don't see it making a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, everything's about the champ champ now. So. I think they're going to close down the flyweight division, and they're going to have Cejudo move up to bantamweight. Yeah. That I found out today right. that uh, that Brandon Moreno has a, like has been released. There was a lot okay. of mystery as to whether or not he'd been released. Last week you said Dustin Ortiz. Dustin Ortiz has been released. John Moraga apparently has been released. So the flyweight division is being liquidated right now. And uh, Scott Coker earlier this week said... Uh, for the next tournament, they're thinking of, uh, he gave. He said, I'll give you a hint, it's going to be a lighter weight class. Maybe they're going to bring in all these guys. It makes sense for Bellator to do that. You know what, the thing is that it doesn't make sense for them to get the UFC to get rid of Like, if you're booking pay-per-views, I know they're only going to do 12 rather than 13 a year, but if you're the matchmakers, you're, you've already probably lost the women's featherweight division. Nunez says she's not doing that again. I don't know if they re-signed Cyborg. Her contract expires in like a month and a half. Um, but they're fighting to keep those open when... They should keep the flyweights, right? No, but I don't think they're fighting to keep that open either. Like, I think they're going to get rid of women's featherweight. I think flyweight's going to be gone. And now the matchmakers have, like, two less uh, divisions to make. Yeah. So I don't know if they're going to do 165-175, which I think would make a lot of sense. But I think that a lot of pay-per-views are going to be in jeopardy of not being able to, to have marquee matchups at the top as mm-hmm. a result of this. But, I mean, like, like I think you mentioned last week where... If you added a 165 division, there'd be more in that 165 division than probably most of the the female divisions. Oh, for sure. Tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I mean, so if you're going to close a division that doesn't have a lot of people, there's a division where you would have a huge amount of fighters. And 175. 175, too. I just think it's a lot of change. And, I mean, if someone like me who is not really – I don't love change too much. So, in my head, it it would take a while to kind of see because I'm a – I'm a welterweight, you know? Like, when I was fighting, 170, perfect for me. Now, I, a 175 would be my division. Yeah, same with Woodley. Woodley I'd be a 175 Woodley would be a 175 Yeah. You right could, now, you couldn't do one, well, one right now, but you right. could have done 165 back when you were. I started my career at 165. Yeah. I fought uh, Murat Derechi in my glory debut. Was it death to make that weight? Um, I just couldn't carry as much muscle, so I had to spend a lot of time making sure in between camps I didn't get too big. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'd I look back, I'd be depleted, I'd look skinny, my legs were smaller, and I was just like, no, I, it was the 170 was really good for me, but now, like, I'm walking around 200 pounds of some good muscle, so even, but I look at guys that are in the, um, you know, the 185 division, they're huge. Yeah, they they're are tall, huge. they're big, like, they're I've seen, strong. I've seen Yoel Romero walking around Massive. when he's not during fight camp. Look he's, at Luke Rockhold outside of... Uh, Rockhold's huge. Luke Rockhold outside of giant. camp is massive. Yeah. They're probably walking around 220. Weidman, too. Weidman's yeah, Weidman's gigantic thick. also. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're big boys at that, and they're tall. So, I mean, I, me personally, I would love that 175. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Smith, too, when you saw him... Yeah, Walking tall, around, he's huge. huge. Yeah. And now he's at 205, and so is Rockhold's going to go up to 205 also. So Yeah, big. Yeah, I mean, you're right. <laughs> These guys are, like, 
Yeah, that's like you, big. If, like compared to you, if you were to like fight at one eighty five in the UFC, yeah. these guys would be way bigger than you. Yeah, really big. Like you're probably Gastelum's probably about your size. If you yeah, me and Gastelum are probably very similar. Yeah. He, he, I think he carries a lot more fat on him than I do. I'm a little leaner than he is, yeah. but and a little taller, I believe. I'm I'm just under six feet tall. So. Yeah, he's he's like five five nine five ten. That's crazy. Yeah, he's. He's a pretty big guy when he walks around, but you would never, like, if you saw him, aside from looking at his ears, you'd never be like, oh, that guy's in the UFC. Yeah, no, I've seen him a few times. Uh, he was at the UFC Institute when I was there because it was the the tough finale there. Mm. So um, I got to see him walk right. around. He was at the event. Yeah, he didn't look that big. Yeah. I, I was I was shocked. Like, and Whitaker, I thought, too. Whitaker's not very big when you're next to him. Yeah, he didn't look huge on uh, the open workouts and stuff. He yeah. looked good, though. He looked lean. He looked sharp. He looked good when well, I was the, seeing him. They are what 185ers should look like. Yeah. <laughs> They're not cutting massive amounts of weight. But you know, that's the new thing now, right? No one wants to cut that weight anymore with with the I think with its good, research though. on head injuries yeah, and I think yeah, it's better. Guys are might perform better. Like we're seeing too many issues um, with people cutting weight and killing themselves. Like, I, I guarantee you, there are middleweights that would do way better at heavyweight, not light heavyweight, but heavyweight yeah. than they do at, at at middleweight. For sure, for sure. Like if if Yoel uh, Romero was able to fight at like. Probably not now because he's older. He's short, though. That's yeah. the issue to but me. But short like, doesn't if he matter at heavyweight. Taller, heavyweight, if you're short, you're at an advantage, I think. And heavyweight, if you're shorter? Yeah, yeah could be. I think so. If, if you're a wrestler, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're but, more compact. Because we've seen... Like, the, one of the thing that I always mention that surprises me the most was uh, when they did the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, and Antonio Carlos Jr. weighed like 215 and won at heavyweight and then moved down to... to, uh, to first, he moved down to... Yeah, he moved down to middleweight. And I think he's still competing at middleweight. Like, that's two weight classes down. At heavyweight, he would have been able to take guys down and tap them. Like, he's a world-class jujitsu guy. Yeah, we had, uh, but who else did that? Rashad Evans? Didn't he start as a heavyweight and then come he, down he like did, that? He did, but that was just because of the ultimate fighter. Like, okay. the ultimate, that was the just weight class that was available. It was, yeah, it was the opportunity. It was season two. You know, but, was, like, look, like someone like Goken Saki. I mean, he was always a small heavyweight. Every time he fought the biggest guys, he was short, um, but he was able to fight the big guys. I'm trying to think of another shorter Heavyweight, Pat Barry could be an well, example. I mean, Mark Hunt is a, is Mark, a great example. I think Pat even Barry Roy Nelson. Was even shorter, Roy Nelson, yeah. when he was like in his prime, was still very short. Really? Yeah. How old? How, how big do you think Roy Nelson is? Roy Nelson's got to be under. I've seen him tall. at a Glory event. Roy Nelson is. He's got to be over six. I don't think so. It says seventy-two inches. What, what does that mean? Divide that by twelve. Let's see. Seventy-two inches in feet. He is. Six feet, it says. Six, okay. But Wait, still, yeah. for a heavyweight, that's yeah, not, that not that tall. That I mean, a lot of these guys are 6'3", 6'7", 6'5", you know. Big, big guys. Like, Verdum is a ma- like a monster in person, you know. Yeah. These guys are big. Yeah, he doesn't look that big, but you can imagine him being thick. I was actually shocked because uh, when uh, Bigfoot Silva fought in glory, I thought he was a lot bigger. Yeah, he's a big guy. Oh, but you thought in person I thought he was, he was oh, bigger. Yeah. Because yeah. on TV, he looked like this huge figure. But when I see him, I was like, you know yeah, that Did you see his hand? Yes, yeah, massive. His hand is yeah. like, it's like a, a it's mitt. huge. Yeah. But it, it it almost looked like from what I saw him on TV that he was kind of squished down a little bit. Like he was kind of condensed. Maybe the years of grappling on his on his vertebrae and his discs kind of shrunk him a bit. But he, I, I expected him to be a lot taller, a lot bigger than he actually was. So while we're on the uh, subject of heavyweight, we got a, a big card uh, this weekend, as you mentioned, Cain Velasquez versus Francis Naganu now. At first, I was thinking, you know, Francis is going to have the tools to beat Kane. But the more I think about it, the more I understand why Kane opens as a pretty heavy favorite. Now, the line's gone down a little bit, but Kane is just like, he's basically the exact matchup that is the opposite of what, like, he's a volume guy. Naganu's like a very, very low volume. I think his average strikes, I looked it up in, in all of his wins, or even in his, over his career, is like 9.5, like very low 
in terms of his significance like landed something like, yeah per landed fight. per fight I, it's something like i'm going to pull yeah, up yeah i could say that he doesn't set up the power shot it's usually one big shot landed Guys are scared to come in because they don't want to get hit with it, so that also slows it yeah. down. So it makes sense. And the, and Kane is the opposite. Kane is like volume, 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 and takedown, takedown, takedown. So pressure, yeah, Ugh, the pressure scary. is the opposite of what Francis Ngannou would thrive on. But um, the other the other stat was the uh, the very low. So yeah, in Ngannou's total cage time in his five wins, so he's five and two. His uh, average significant oh sorry, his average significant strikes in all seven of his his fights is nine point seven. That's Jeez. That's his output, but his. I mean, a lot of his fights have ended in the, within the yeah, first two yeah. minutes, right? So, end with the first shot. Yeah. Or, yeah. And whereas Kane, Kane has Kane absorbs an average. I think is of seven and a half strikes per fight, which is shocking to me. Yeah. He looks like a guy that w- takes a few to give a. That's few what they say. That's what know? people have said. But seventy-five percent of his opponents have landed less than ten significant strikes against them. Yeah. And he's like eleven in saying, one of those I'm, fights. I'm still shocked. We talked about this before the show that there's people. And it's a, it's a thing that heavyweights have longer careers, which I don't understand. But from these stats, I mean, they're not getting hit as much as the average person. And we know that it's the repetitive damage that causes the brain damage rather than those big one shots. So maybe there's something that, I don't know, something's happening. But, I mean, I don't, we haven't seen Kane. So that's the, the, the that's question. That's the big X factor, right? I mean, it's been almost a thousand days since he's last fought. And with Nagano, anyone with power always has a chance. So, um but but what like how does he like if Kane is that elusive like I mentioned that he's absorbing seven significant strikes per fight and seventy five percent of his opponents have not landed ten significant strikes on him, it's basically but, a hail mary. Yeah, but is it one not? of those, yeah, but one of those. But one is of those the from one, Francis. That's what everybody's yeah. saying. But is that really the horse you want to back? Is a guy that can land an uppercut maybe when you're coming in for a takedown and, and t- because also you got to remember like. Francis needs space to operate. Like that's where he does his best work is in space, so he can yeah. land like the, the the brunt force, the, the you know the the brunt uh, power of the end of a strike is when there's more range. And Kane doesn't do range. Kane yeah. gets Kane gets in tight. He'll take you down. Uh, he's, he's gonna have to use his feints to get in. That's huge because you want to get Francis to bite on something because you don't just walk in on a straight line. So, but. I mean, look who he trains with. Cain Velasquez has, you know, DC Cormier, with him every yeah. every day. So, yeah, exactly. And uh, Cormier actually this week uh, on the MMA Hour with Luke Thomas said he's pushing back his retirement date. I think that was kind of something that people expected, anyways. Because he, he turns, said two more, turns, right? No, he said he was going to retire when he turned forty, which is in like a month from now. Okay. So yeah. now Dana White says he thinks he's got three fights left. He wants Cormier to fight Jones. He wants him to fight Lesnar, and he wants him to fight Stipe. I want to see Kane and Stipe. I like that one too. That's like, the, like that's one Stipe. of the guys that Kane hasn't fought. Yeah, I like that fight. Both guys good, you know, good strikers can mix it up well. And I want to see I want to see Jones fight. move up and fight all these heavyweights. I want to see him fight DC at heavyweight. I want to see him fight Kane at heavyweight. I want to see him fight Francis at heavyweight. I just want to see him fight. I want to see him fight good competition. Like there's just nobody at light heavyweight. I think yeah. Rockhold, like you mentioned, might be somebody that's exciting, and we'll see what happens with guys like Reyes and Walker, yeah. uh, and Misha. But I don't know. Yeah, it's still it's the the big money fights for him are in heavyweight. Yeah, and he said that he said it much when he before he fought um, Alexander Gustafsson. He did an interview in Russia and said that uh, he wants to fight guys like Cain uh, Velasquez, guys like Francis Ngannou, and yeah, guys like Anthony really Joshua. Solidify yeah, his... Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. He said those kind of fights. Those interest are the fights. Yeah, Let's yeah. not do any boxing crossovers. I Joshua, probably should. I, I don't want to mention that. Joshua's fighting my friend. Uh, Big oh, he, Baby Miller. Oh, Big Baby's a friend of yours? Yeah. Cool. He fought in glory. He fought Crow Cop in glory. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I I went, on Last Man Standing, when I fought uh, my world title, it was Crow Cop versus uh, Baby Miller. You think he'll throw some kicks at Joshua to shake things up I a little know. bit? It would be good. <laughs> he trains a little bit with Henry Hooft. 
uh, kickboxing. Like you'll see them do kickboxing pads once in a while. I think he's in Florida, isn't he, Big Baby Miller? Uh, yeah, because him and he, he's uh, good friends with Luke Rockwell too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Or New York. He lives and, in New York. Oh, does he? Okay. Lives in New York because that's where I, I, I kind of know him from. And that's where that New fight's going to happen. Yeah. First uh, Anthony Joshua fight in North America, if I'm not mistaken, at least in his heyday right yeah. now. We'll see. I mean, it's an interesting fight because I like Miller. Miller's got good power, but uh, Joshua's not getting those big fights. He screwed himself over a yeah. little bit. Yeah. yeah. They were trying to negotiate that Wilder fight. And then a report from my, my friend Kendrick Johnson came out today. Uh, saying that Wilder versus Fury 2 was going to happen. I think it's, he said May, in May the, at the Barclays Center. Yeah. Yeah, Beautiful. so that's interesting. Yeah. That'll be a fun fight. Um, anything else we uh, we haven't touched on here? I mean, we can we can go and, uh, well, why don't we why don't we talk to the man who's going to be facing uh, Francis Nagano this weekend? I, I interviewed Francis before we started, and his phone was bad, and I could barely understand what he was saying, so we unfortunately have to get rid of that interview and not air it, but... Uh, uh, we might end up writing an article around it, but uh, Kane Velasquez did join us on the TSN MMA show to discuss his upcoming fight with Francis Ngannou. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. It's been nearly a thousand days since a man considered by many to be the greatest heavyweight in mixed martial arts history. Two-time heavyweight champion Kane Velasquez competed in the UFC, but the promotion is raising Kane to main event status for their first ever ESPN main card this Sunday. I repeat, Sunday, the festivities started. 5 p.m. Eastern on TSN2, and Kane joins us now on the TSN MMA Show. Kane, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. Well, thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. So it was over two years ago when your name first came out of Francis Naganu's mouth. When you heard that, did that intrigue you? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, you know, it was something that, uh, it's something that okay, this is, what, this is what Francis would want, a fight versus me. Um, yeah, for me, it's just, you know, I'll, I'll take that challenge. So, um, so yeah. As I mentioned off the top, there's been some debate about who the greatest heavyweight of all time is. Uh, you can make a case for Stipe, Fedor, and, of course, yourself. Where do you think you stack up in that conversation? You know what? Uh, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really see, see that. It's whatever the fans think, man, you know. It's, it's, it's up to them. Um, but I think I'm up there with them, yeah. Um, it can it can mix and match and and uh, any one of those, but um, I think if I got a chance to fight um, any of those guys, I'd, um, I'd I'd beat them. So, well, you look at Fedor now, and I know Daniel Cormier mentioned this uh, earlier in the week uh, when it came to Anderson Silva. People are applauding him, you know, saying, "Ah, oh, that was a very good effort." And we've seen Fedor kind of fall off in these in these latter years of his career. Are you hoping that you never get to that point in your career where people are applauding you for your effort? You know, uh, if, I'm, if I get to that point, um, I don't think I'll be fighting anymore. You know, for me, it's uh, it's I'm doing this to to be the best again because I feel like I am. Um, I'm not doing this just just to do it. Um, I want to I want to compete at the highest level. You know, still, you know what I mean. And if I can't do that, then for me, then I, I would have to stop fighting. I mean, failure. I would say Fader is just Fader just a different different animal, you know. He he's a true just uh you know, he's an ambassador of the sport and he just this guy loves to fight. So, um my hat's off to him and what he's done and how long he's been um you know, in in this sport. So, I've always had tremendous amount of respect for him as a fighter, as a person. So, So this is the the longest layoff of your career. It's no secret your career has been marred with injuries. If you were to go from head to toe, 
How many different injuries would you say you've sustained during your career? A lot. <laughs> a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> Not a lot, you know. This is, I mean, we're, we'll fight each other, you know, and it's, we'll fight each other every day for practice. Um, this is what's going to happen, especially somebody like me who's, who's, uh, who's a bigger guy but who puts the same output as somebody, you know, who's, who's much smaller. So, I mean, that's what's going to happen. You know, it's no, it's a no-brainer. It's like people are surprised. Well, this is what we do for a living every day. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Um, you know, and I've been in the sport for a while. It's not like I've, I've just started. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a part of it. Well, you talk about the output, but the crazy thing is the the damage that you've taken is is minimal. I mean, you haven't sustained much over your career. You absorb an average of 17 significant strikes per fight, and in 75% of your fights, your opponent has failed to land double-digit significant strikes on you. So are these injuries mostly a result of just the intense training at AKA? No, it's it's me. You know, it's not the intense training at AKA or what they're doing there. That's all. That's all like BS bullshit. You know what I mean? Like we train like anybody else. Um, I mean, I haven't really been at any other gym, but um, you know, I've seen videos and stuff, and yeah, it's the same stuff that we that we do that other people do. Um, but I would say, yeah, it's the the output that I that I do. I mean, I. That's just who I am, man. When I do something, I do it to the, to, to, to the fullest. You know what I mean? When I train, I train to win. I train to get better. And even though I've been, I've trained for, like, I may have a practice, a long practice. Well, for me, I put everything I have into that practice. I don't, I don't have acid. I don't, uh, you know, take it easy. Like for me, it's all about winning, and it's winning in practice as well. Um, that's just my my nature to uh, being competitive, and it's you know something that I do every day. So is that narrative overstated? People are always saying, "Oh, they train too hard at AKA, they spar too hard, and that that's why they get hurt." Do you think that that's that's a misnomer? Yeah, because you can get hurt anywhere else, you know, and it's not like it's not like you get hurt hard sparring. I mean, like you said, I mean. You know, the, with the strikes and everything else. I mean, it's it's not like we we all get hurt doing hard sparring. We get you know hurt doing everything else as well. You know, it's a it's a combination of what we have to do to to get ready for a fight. Um, you know, we're again we're we're fighting. We're fighting in practice, um, and that's that's what the wrestling. You know, with the jujitsu. I mean. Um, you're competing against a, you know, I'm competing against a guy like Daniel Cormier on a daily basis. You know what I mean? So he's very competitive. He's a guy that's always on, and um, I'm the same way, you know, and I'm the same way in practice as well. So um, that's just the way, like, I know how to do things. Um, that's just my nature. You know, there's people that can, that can, going to practice and just kind of just kind of go through the motions, but that's not me. Now, when people think AKA, they think you, they think DC, and of course they think Luke Rockhold. Uh, he was on the MMA Hour about a month ago and said, uh, in reference to his current camp, uh, Hard Knocks 365 in Florida, this is where the best training I can get right now is. Now, I'm not sure if that's some sort of shot at AKA, but how often do you still speak with Luke, and in your opinion, why did he decide to move over there to South Florida? Um, yeah, I always talk to Luke. Um, I think 
as far as his situation, he just likes it out there, you know, in Florida. You know, it's it's cheaper than it is, and AK over in San Jose. San Jose is freaking expensive. Um, he he is cheaper over there. He has good trading partners that he likes. You know, he doesn't have me or DC that that, that beat on him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, he just has a good experience over there in Florida. Um, so I mean that's that that's it. It's just, it's just the location more so. But uh, as far as the training, I mean the best training is at AKA. Um, it's just it's 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 a harder way of living um, over in San Jose, just because again for you know everything's just it's just expensive and stuff, man. Um, before John Jones came back at UFC 232, he, he did an, an interview with a Russian outlet called RT, and he said, they want to see Jones versus Velasquez. They want to see Jones versus Naganu. That's what people want to see. That's where my mindset is. Is Jones versus Velasquez something that you want to see? You know, if it happens, yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's one of the greatest to, to, to have ever done it, you know. Um, and he's, he's still young. He's still in his prime, like, um if we were to get it together, then then yeah, you know, of course, I would I would love to take on that that challenge. Um, for me, it's just uh, it's the, the challenge aspect. You know, what what does this guy possess, and um, you know, what's the best way of beating him? That's the way I look at all, all my opponents. So, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely look forward to something like that if it were to happen. Now, you're being very friendly here. I mean, John has been a nemesis of your camp, given the bad blood between him and Daniel Cormier. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about the whole situation with him right now, the trace amounts of the M3 metabolites found in his system and how uh, things have played out kind of from the uh, regulatory side? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess, you know, those, uh, the tests don't lie. You know what I mean? And... I don't know, whatever he had. I'm not sure what the counter is to that, you know, like what, I mean, again, I've been kind of away for you know, for so long, but um, I mean, obviously I've, I've heard and, but I don't know like the, you know, the specifics of, of everything, but yeah, I mean, the, I just feel like, man, we all, we all need to be on the same playing field. Um, and I just, my opinion is if somebody isn't on the same playing field, then that's just BS, you know what I mean? So, whether it it is that way for him or it isn't, um, I just feel like if somebody is on the same playing field, then yeah, it's 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 not fair, obviously. So you think if there was a, a lower level fighter that was suspended, came back, and then they found those trace amounts, that they would be suspended again? Yeah, yeah, get him the hell out of there. Um, so as you mentioned, you've been on the outside looking in for some time. Um, I'm not sure how carefully you've, you've surveyed the heavyweight landscape right now. But I'm wondering how you would rank these opponents in terms of difficulty from toughest to easiest. You got Stipe, Derek Lewis, Francis, Curtis Blades, Volkov, and Overeem. Who do you think is the toughest uh, from toughest to easiest in that that lineup? Um, I think all those guys possess different different strengths. Definitely, um, I'll say Stipe is, is up there with with, with uh, the the better guys, um, and. I mean, somebody like Francis and somebody like Derek Lewis, I mean, they're both very uh, similar in their fighting styles, you know. They're really strong on the stand-up. Um, and, you know, as far as the wrestling, not, not much, but two big, strong guys who are extremely dangerous, probably the most dangerous 
um, out of out of anybody in the whole heavyweight division. Um, so that's that. You know, again, every guy possesses their own strengths. Um, for me, it's just good to you know to get an opponent, figure out what what those strengths and weaknesses are, and you know, just going in and trying to try to expose that. Well, you will look to evade that danger when you face Francis Ngannou this weekend. Uh, it's this Sunday night, uh, first card ever on ESPN in terms of main card. Um, it's going to be a fun one. You, I mean, you've been healthy for about a year and a half, you told uh, MMA Fighting. Um, but you've been, you, know, you had your son, Kane Jr., and that's really what's been occupying your time. So uh, while people talk about injuries and layoff, a lot of it had to do with uh, a lot of happiness in your life. And uh, we'd like to um, congratulate you on that and, uh, and wish you all the best this weekend. Oh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. That was Cain Velasquez. It's going to be good to have Cain back. I mean, there's always the conversation of who the most dominant heavyweight of, or the best heavyweight of all time is, and I think he's definitely in the conversation. How do you rank them? I mean, I, I just need to see him back. I think that's the key factor now. So much has changed since he was so dominant back then. But all that aside, How if do you I were think? to just look at who, who you think the best heavyweight of all time is in MMA, who would you give it to? We, we, based on what you've seen from Cain. You gotta go, Kane. I think you. I think you, you gotta do too. go, Kane. I mean, you look at Stipe based on his his record for title defenses, but but keep um, in mind, Kane's also a two time champion, right? So he, he lost it out and won it back. You know, I, 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 yeah, you have to say Kane. Yeah, and I mean, Fedor, is, Fedor Kane. in his prime and at Pride is, it's tough because Pride was such a circus. Oh, but, I didn't know he was involved in that, but, but uh, Fedor, yeah, of course, he's a mixed martial artist who's a heavyweight. Yeah, I, I was just looking UFC, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's hard because it's hard. The, yeah. the problem is because that would have been an incredible fight. The problem is Imagine recent that? Fedor. Yeah, well, that would have been crazy. Jeez. But recent Fedor, when you think yeah, the recency like, effect, it's hard because you picture him just getting slaughtered by everybody, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you then you go back and watch him in Pride, and you're like, oh my god, yeah, he was who he dropped was on his head by Kevin Randall and came back and finished him. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's scary. I mean, different times, but if that fight ever happened, that Ooh. would have been insane. I think Kane would have beaten him. With more, with more tools, his, more ground tools. Contr- yeah. his ground control and his strikes from on top is just second and Like, nine. the only way that I think Fedor would have finished him is maybe off his back, like, with a submission of some sort. But I think yeah, Kane or, would have had almost yeah. every advantage in that fight. Yeah, you got to go with Kane. You're right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think just the heavyweight division is just always... Because it, it takes one punch that but things also, can change so also the recency effect with Stipe, too. Like, Stipe beat a lot of killers. And, and then we just we pictured forget. him with Cormier knocking him out. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's it, what's happening with Stipe? He's still he's holding sitting, off he's sitting, until yeah, he's he said, I want another title shot title or nothing shot. He's lobbying all. for that title shot, but I think ultimately they're going to have to force he, him to get go. him off the couch and get him to fight somebody. Who's, who would be someone for you? Um, let me look at the heavyweight division. Maybe a Curtis Blades if That's Blades is I, able to, uh, to win his upcoming fight. Who's Blades up against? I, always, I keep forgetting who Curtis Blades is facing. Um, but like maybe the winner of whatever that fight is. So Curtis Blades, I know he has something coming up. Um, he has a fight coming up against Justin Willis. So Justin Willis, yeah, if Justin Willis ends up beating Curtis Blades, that would be a fun one with Stipe, but I don't know if the name recognition the name, is there. No, I don't think he'd go from that. But yeah, Stipe versus name, Blades yeah. would be interesting because they used to train together and stuff like that. Like the, there's, there's some good story there. And he already beat the Sanos, right? Didn't he uh, knock Dos Santos, out? yeah. Dos, yeah. Yeah, Stipe has lost to Dos Santos and then subsequently beaten Dos Santos, but beat him in the first round. So, um, 
yeah, there's there's not a whole lot out there for Stipe that he hasn't faced already. Um, there's also Derek Lewis. I don't Has he fought Overeem? I don't can't recall if he's been, uh, faced Derek Lewis. Yeah, Stipe beat Overeem while he was the champion. That was his first. That title was his defense. first title defense. Yeah, beat him okay. in the first round or second, I think, end of the first round. Yeah, he finished. Remember, him. remember, Overeem got on the mic afterwards and said that Stipe tapped. Was, I felt him I tap. Felt him, yeah. And then they showed the replay and Rogan's there and he's like, I don't see I don't anything. See anything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you don't interview concussed fighters after they... Uh, do, they don't do that in glory, do they? Do, no. do you interview the loser of the main event? Never. Oh, okay. Well, that's well I mean, unless it's something controversial. If it's a decision. Yeah. Or, I, I, I can't remember. I think we've done it once or twice. but Yeah, uh, it's not, yeah. okay. So it's not common varied, practice. No, yeah, not no. standard practice. All right. Um, why don't we take a look at uh, how we did last week, UFC 234. So... Um, well, we have two weeks to recap. So we have Aldo, uh, which I won. You had Charles Oliveira, which you which won. Which I won, yeah. I was at Fortaleza. And then UFC 234. Um, I had Rowley and Peva, who won but lost on the judges' scorecards. Yeah. Right before it was announced, I go, he, I go, I, I have a 29-28 Peva, but because it's in Australia, I think Kai Kara France is going to get the nod because people boom. cheered louder when he got damaged, and that's what happened. Yeah. And you had Jim Crute, who won. Yeah. So you're uh, up, that, you're was up. A, that was a controversial one, too. I didn't get to see the full it fight. Apparently, they said... Uh, Alvi, it wasn't controversial. No? In my opinion, it wasn't. I th- I think. It, listen, so he he got he got knocked down and was out on his feet. So he got up. He got knocked down. Crute walked off as if he'd won the fight. Yeah. Ref didn't stop it. Crute goes back in, goes after him. Alvi's on roller skates. He c- could have made a case that it should have been stopped. You know, at that point, Crute knocks him down again and starts gets on top and starts pounding on him. Alvi gives the thumbs up like he's okay, and Crute isn't really hitting much. He's hitting his arm. But at the same time, you've got a downed opponent on all fours getting smashed Who got repeatedly who's been knocked down twice. Yeah, Fair. It's a fair stop. Yeah. If, if you're really about fighter safety, you yeah, stop that fight there. I think there was um, a little bit of Giving tension Giving a thumbs up is okay in a submission. Goddard. Yeah. Yeah, because he said that he didn't like the, the, the fact that Goddard stoppage. had stopped one of his previous fights. Yeah. So. But uh, be that as it as, as it may, there's a big difference between giving the thumbs up when you're get, you, you're getting choked yeah. and giving a thumbs up when somebody's pounding on you repeatedly. I mean, it's just tough if it's too early or too late. You know, it's it's hard to find the balance, yeah. right? I thought it was. I a mean, good no stoppage. matter what, any if I'm in that situation, like the the Dillashaw, it, I'm going to say it's early yeah. because I want to go out on my shield. Oh, if I you're the fighter, of course yeah. you're going to think it's early. So I mean, I don't. I don't know. There are Even, fighters who think it's early when they've been knocked out and they come back and, they, and they're like, "What's what happened? Yeah, yeah. let me die." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, Goddard, I think Goddard's like a top three referee in the sport. Yeah, right now, He's yeah. up there. I mean, with John McCart- McCarthy now doing oh. commentary. And we haven't seen uh, as much from uh, Herb Dean, right? He seems Herb to was be... injured. Okay. He Is just actually why? was back. Yeah, he refereed the main event. But he, he was, was injured. Uh, yeah, he was out for a bit. Yeah. Because I hadn't seen him being there regularly. He, he so. was doing some judging. Actually, he was a judge at UFC 232. I saw him backstage and asked what was that. I was like, hey, you know what? You, I, I was like, what are you doing here? Because yeah, yeah. he was in a suit. He's yeah, like, oh, yeah. I'm doing judging. And I was like, okay, because yeah, I, good, I hope how's your injury healing. He's like, ah, I should be back soon. Yeah, yeah. Dan Bergliotta, we haven't seen much. He got Big Dan's been around, but yeah, not, not quite as much. Big Dan does every sport. He does, yeah. He's I've seen him at local kickboxing and mm-hmm. Muay Thai. I've seen him at glory events. Like he just every weekend he does something. Yeah, that's what you, how you got to live, right? Yeah. You got to get the rest Crazy. of the week off, but you get you have to work on the weekends. Work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's a good ref too. He makes mistakes yeah, here too. and there, but so yeah, all the refs. So does Herb Dean, and he does know? it so often. Like if you're, you're gonna make a mistake if yeah. you fought every day. You, you're probably gonna have a, a, some losses to your record. It's just how it goes. So, um, do we want to recap? I don't know if we need to recap two thirty four. We talked about the main event, the rest of the card. And you know, unfortunately, they were great fights, but I don't think that a lot of them had a ton of meaning in terms of where the division. I, how many of these guys are ranked? 
outside of outside of Adesanya and Silva. I don't think any of them are. Kaikara France and uh, is at flyweight, but that division's going away. So not a whole lot of uh, you, you know. There's not nobody that's like, oh, well, now they're in title contention. Not really. Um, was the um, I think I caught a glimpse of the Ishihara fight versus Ho Kang. Yeah, that was a great fight. And then they just started swinging at each other. Yeah, yeah, that was a great fight. That's that should have been fight of the night, in my opinion. Yeah, they just started going nuts. It was entertaining. They were swinging bombs at each other. It's hard to find a non-entertaining Chung Ho Kong fight. He's really entertaining. Uh, so UFC Phoenix. Uh, let's take a look at some odds here. Uh, who, who, do you want to go? Do you, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, we were looking. Um, I actually like uh, Paul Felder in this one. I think he's. Um, just has the tools to do it, and I mean, I back up the commentators, man. You, the <laughs> IQ you get is just second to none. You learn, you're studying, you're analyzing tape, and I mean, the fact that Felder is a, an athlete, good striking, can mix it up well. I like Paul Felder in it. Hey, he's, he's now small. He's now plus one hundred. Okay, so, so it's even he's money. Even money. I like Paul Felder. All right, I'm gonna put together a little parlay here. Oh, you got to catch up some money now. So yeah. you're getting courageous. That, that was me, and that kind of screwed me over. I'm not the going too crazy. I'm just taking right. two favorites. Trying to help you out, Aaron. Yeah. I don't want you to lose too much money. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm going to take a, a parlay with uh, Jessica Panay and Manny Bermudez. It's a plus 153. Okay. So that's where I'm leaning right now. I, you know, I, I thought Benito Lopez was really good value. He opened at like around plus 200, which I thought was high. You know, he's an undefeated fighter, very good striker, a lot of fun to watch. But then I watched Manny Bermudez's uh, fights over. I watched them again, and he's just so relentless with his assault in terms of getting guys to the ground and making it an, an ugly fight and getting them to buy into his game plan that I, I just think that he's going to be able to, to bait Benito Lopez into that triangle. Yeah, sometimes when I make my picks, I always like to pick before the event starts because if I pick just before the fight, those damn promos get me every time. Yeah. You know, you just showed me every one of his knockouts. Now of I'm course. like, oh, I picked oh, the wrong person. Killer. Yeah, yeah, like if you watch Kane, if you, they, they show Kane highlights, yeah. oh my god, look at him body kick. Yeah, then you're Brock like, Lesnar. oh, why did I pick this guy? And it gets more stressful. So I'm trying to pick now just before the fights. So it doesn't yeah. stress me out as much. And but Jessica Panay's coming back off a of suspension. I just think she's like a whole level above Jody Escabel. What was her suspension for? Uh, she was flagged by USADA for something or, or another. I think she was suspended for a year. Yeah, because she's uh, good friends with Angela Hill. Yeah. They always do like little they do, shows they together. They do two straws. Two straws, yeah. yeah. So shout out to Jessica Panay. So I think that she's going to come back and be uh, victorious. But we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. I'm looking forward to that main event, Kane versus uh, Francis. That's uh, it's going to be great. So Sunday, not Saturday, yep. TSN 2. Starting at 5 p.m., we get everything kicked off. We got the uh, we've got a flashback of um, Kane versus JDS number three, so the third fight in the the series of uh, of three with those guys. We've got the uh, pre-fight, and then we've got the prelims, the okay. late prelims, and then we've got the main card. So we got you covered, TSN two. Yeah, there's a lot of great fights. I think this card has really gone under the radar. I think there was just a lot of hype between Silva and Adesanya, a lot of talk, a lot of hype that they didn't really have chance to build the card. But I mean, just a lot of great fights. Yeah, well, they sold it out so quickly that I think they felt like they should just showcase local talent. But at the same time, none of those people are ranked. Like here, you got two ranked lightweights. You got, um, I think Felder's still ranked. If I'm not mistaken, he's ranked. And then you've got, uh, you know, two ranked strawweights in uh, in Casey and Calvillo. It's just like these fights matter. Sterling versus Rivera. That's like the top of the top echelon of bantamweights. So there's just a lot going on here on this card that you wouldn't uh, ordinarily see. What do you? Um, who's your initial thoughts for Feely versus Miles Jury? That's a that's a close fight. Well, it's tough because you, you see Jury's last fight against Chad Mendes and he got starched. Yeah. But then you look at Jury's record and he's barely been beaten by anybody. 
So um, Feely's looked good in his recent fights, but it's hard. This is one of those ones where I, this is what I call a wait-and-see fight. I want to see what Miles Jury still has before I jump to a conclusion that he's not going to be able to beat anybody anymore because Chad Mendes beat him. Because Chad Mendes And Miles My, Jury's trains with TriStar, I believe, right? Oh, is he now? I, I think he did for his last one. I'm not sure if he's there still, but yeah. Okay. But uh, Andre Feely's looked good recently, so I don't know. I, again, that's a wait-and-see for me. And uh, same with Rivera Sterling. I, Sterling has looked great of late. Uh, Rivera looked good against Dodson, but that was like a, not, not much happened in that in that one. Uh, Sterling had that great uh, Sulawev stretch victory in his last one against uh, Cody Stamen. So that's one where I, I kind of want to see what happens there too. It's not yeah. really one where I can give you like if I, if I had to make a pick based on what the line is, I'd probably go Aljamain Sterling because I think yeah. it's a pretty even Me fight. Too. Me too. I'm but, leaning towards yeah. Aljamain. Even Vicente Luque versus uh, Barberinas. Both yeah. Chad the Priest fought both of those I think, guys. I think Luke is just a killer right now. Me too. Yeah. After seeing him, uh, how he fought but Chad. Barbarina's the type of guy that always wins as a big, almost always wins as a big underdog. He beat Sage Northcutt as a big underdog. Of course, now we know that Sage Northcutt was not really that good to yeah. begin with. Um, and who and else he, did he beat? He beat, I think, um, he lost what's to that Brazilian Chad ended guys? up beating him. And I saw, yeah. I've got to meet him in uh, the UFC Institute. Oh, so, Barbarina? Yeah. Yeah. Chad was actually a pretty big favorite in that one, too. And then there was, uh, what's it, Worley Alves, I think Barbarina beat as a pretty sizable underdog, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, he's got the power to do it. Yeah. He reminds me of like that Johnny Hendricks look and style, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, but I think Luke is just uh, in another yeah. dimension right now. He's just looked so good. Oh, yeah. uh, I'd like to see him get a ranked opponent at some point. He's on a, a good streak, isn't he? Yeah. Like, and he, his record isn't all that good because he lost 14 a lot. 14 and yeah. 6 in one. Yeah, so he so lost a lot earlier wins, in his six career. Losses, but I know he's on a. How many fight win streaks? I think he's only. Five? I think he only lost once in the UFC. I'm gonna pull it up. I think it's five or six win fight win streak. Something crazy. Let's see. Vicente Luque, the Silent Assassin. I've spoken to the guy. He's not silent uh-huh. at all. I mentioned that to him. I go, "You're very talkative for a guy whose nickname is the Silent Assassin." <laughs> he kind of laughed. So basically, he's uh, in in the UFC. He is seven and one. His only loss is a unanimous decision to Leon Edwards. And that and was no shame uh, early in that. on in his. Uh... That was uh, yeah, about two years ago. Yeah, look at that. But wins over Bilal Muhammad. That's a good win. Hyder and Hassan. finishes too. Yeah, yeah, lots of finishes. I think all of them are. Fin- yeah, all of them are finishes. The only decision that he went to, he lost. So, um, yeah, I think that. Uh, and I guess he lost. He technically lost to Mike Graves in the finale. Lost the unanimous decision to Mike Graves. That was his first fight in the UFC. So he's seven and two in the UFC. I stand corrected. But uh, he had that great win over Jalen Turner, who looked fantastic uh, over uh, over the weekend. Had a, a big win. At UFC 234, first round knockout. Uh, it was fighting kind of a local Australian guy, so it's you don't don't know how much you put into that, but uh, that was a big win for Vicente Luque. Yeah, I had to look in. I was like, who does he look like? Which boxer? And I had to Google who it was. Like, do you know who he? He reminds me of uh, Sergio Martinez. Okay, that look of Sergio Martinez. That's I'll who take it your was. word for it. I don't know what Sergio Martinez looks like. All right, I'll show you a picture after. <laughs> but uh, yeah, good, good wins. I mean, Luque's last three wins are over Laprise, uh, Jalen Turner, and Nico Price. Those are those are three very high quality yeah, wins. For sure. So um, I think that he's uh, he's well on his way to uh, doing good things. And uh, so Barbarena right now he's been alternating wins and losses. Win over Alves, lost to Colby Covington. Win over Joe Proctor, lost to Leon Edwards, uh, and Jake Ellenberger is his last win. Knockout of Jake Ellenberger, which uh, nowadays isn't as impressive it's as it would have been. That it would have been, in, yeah, because he was a beast. Because I remember watching um, Jake Ellenberger when he fought Sean Pearson, and I think he ended up beating Sean Pearson in that fight by knockout in Toronto, I believe. That was who Ellenberger? No, yeah, he yeah, knocked out been, uh, Sean Pearson in, in Toronto. Day. Yeah, yeah. Sean Pearson's doing IT, I think now. He's just uh, yeah. working in the. Uh, the it was IT just so industry. random. I was. Uh, 
It's, it came up to me. Uh, so I had uh, some boxers from Sicily come in. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the fathers came uh, with my cousin. And uh, I came in, and his cousin lives in Canada. And he said, hey, uh, Sean Pearson said hi. I was like, oh. oh they okay. ended up being neighbors oh, randomly. Really? So, yeah. Yeah, Sean's a great guy. Very nice yeah. guy. I'd love, to, I'd love to get him on the show and see what he's up to these days. Yeah, for sure we should. And then we should also talk about the debut of Crone Gracie. Now, that's an interesting one because I think the, the line on this one is crazy. Alex Caceres has... A lot of ways to win this fight, and I think as a three to one underdog, he's worth a look. Yeah, but Courtney I mean, Casey also. We talked about Courtney Casey yeah, and Calvillo we too. About that one, yeah. I mean, uh, um, I don't know who do you want to start with, but uh, Bruce Leroy there. I just you have to. He have to get space. He tries to be fancy. When you get grabbed by by a Gracie, that's, that's the yeah. problem. That's yeah, the and issue. you have three rounds to you got uh, the elude issue. that. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can have all the tools, but sometimes you only need one. I think Gracie's got a, a more of a clear path, obviously, but. Then you look at Calvillo versus Casey, and um, that's one where usually these strawweight fights go to a decision. I think there was only one knockout in the strawweight division all of last year. There's been submissions, of course, too, but this is one of those ones where, and I think Calvillo actually scored a knockout earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, that would have been last year. So I, I think two. Casey gets it done in that decision. Did Calvillo win a, I can't remember if Calvillo won a, um, if she won a submission win. Like, I know her last one was by finish, if I'm not mistaken. She's 7-1. and one. yeah. Her, she had her one loss was like two years ago almost. I just think Courtney Casey's long, rangy, hard to hit. Yeah, it was a sort um, it, was, it was a submission, so it wasn't a, a knockout. So and I think Casey does she train with uh, Factory X? I think she's uh, MMA Lab in Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. I thought she had some connection to Denver with uh, James Krause. I thought. I don't know. It says that she trains on topology. It says Sanchez, BJJ, and fitness. But I don't know. I th- I think she trains at uh, MMA Lab, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong on that one. But uh, who knows? The lot yeah, of people but change I think she's long and awkward. I think, man, she, she'd be a good uh, underdog to look at. Yeah, she might be the best, like, sub-500 fighter on the UFC roster. I think she's so rangy. She's 5'7". Five like, she's she's tall. Like, I mean, her win against Angela Hill was just, for me, Angela, I've, I've seen her strike before she even got to the UFC. So I've known her for so long, and I thought it would have been a good fight for Angela to showcase her striking. But she's just tall, rangy, awkward. I think it was a split decision for Casey too in that fight. It well, wasn't. How tall is Calvillo? Because I think Calvillo is relatively tall as a strawweight. Five four, I think. Five four, yeah. Okay. So she'll have a pretty sizable disadvantage against Courtney Casey in terms of the the reach. Yeah, three inch in reach as well. But also legs. You got They don't do leg reach. Yeah, and I think that that's always a misnomer because Casey doesn't have a very long arm reach, but she's long. Yeah. Right. That that's one of the weird things about MMA. Like even James Vick, if I'm not mistaken, does not have like a a crazy long arm reach. Let me look it up, actually, because I've, I've got it right here in front of me. Uh, Vic's, Vic's reach is 70, actually 76 inches is pretty long. I stand corrected. But we're, like, what's Felder's reach? Because James Vic is a lot taller. So, yeah, he'll have a pretty big uh, reach advantage, a six-inch reach advantage over, over Felder. Felder. The knock on Vic was always that he was not very good at using his reach. Yeah. And he's gotten better at it over time. Like the classic Stefan Struve? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Stefan Struve is example A about not knowing how to use I'm reach. 100 feet tall and I'm getting gonna... taken down by Andre Arlovsky, who I don't know has, if he's ever shot a takedown, yeah. let alone landed takedowns. He landed four of them against Struve, which is kind of embarrassing. But, I mean, Vic quietly has amassed a really, really good record in the UFC. He's, he's only has two losses, and he's got nine wins. He's like nine and two. Yeah, no, it's been impressive. Losses to Gaethje and uh, Benil Dariush, and both times getting knocked out in the first round. But... Regardless of that, he's he's beaten a lot of good competition, like beating Joe Duffy, beating Trinaldo. Like those are good. Beating Jake Matthews, those are good wins. Yeah, no, I still like 
Don't try to make me second guess my pick no, no, there. No, no, I'm, just, I'm just saying that the, I think Vic is a little bit underrated. That's all. Yeah, no, I Felder's, agree. Felder's I agree. an amazing fight. It's, it's a great fight. There's a reason why it's the co-main event. Absolutely, that's a really good fight for TV. Um, so I'm, I think this card as a whole, from start to finish, is going to be really, really good. Um, and uh, Luke Sanders versus Brow is going to be interesting too. Because Sanders came in with a ton of hype, has disappointed, and then Brow was a top pound for pound yeah, guy. Sanders and he's been good terrible move, lately. Good movement guy, right? I mean, I remember good movement. He's got tricky. strong top control. Kicks well, I believe. Yeah, hits hard. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one as well because uh, Burrell. What's Burrell's record in like his last six? Like old school Burrell. Yeah, his last six. He's a one and five. That's which is crazy. One over Felipe Nover. How? Yeah, you know what I mean. Felipe Nover. I think is it. Um, he fights. Uh, his coach is uh, Jason Strout. I know him. Yeah, yeah. Nover's retired now, I believe. But uh, his lo- his last losses were like Andre Ewell and Brian Kelleher. Like, I mean. These aren't high-level guys right now. I think Luke Sanders is better than both of those guys. Because I remember uh, Mitch Gagnon fought yeah. Burrell probably at Brow's the end of his like. Yeah. That was Burrell's first fight after, after he, lost, he the belt. lost the belt. And yeah. Mitch came in well, as after a he huge lost underdog. The yeah. yeah, but still, like I mean, that's kind of after the Mitch fight, you saw a big, you know, demise in in yeah, a big dip. But uh, even looking at uh, Luke Sanders, he's two and three in the UFC, and his two wins over guys that are I don't think they're even in the UFC anymore. So. Um, he got tapped out by Hani Yaya last time in the first round. He was destroying Yuri Alcantara and then got caught in a knee bar. And then he got knocked out by Andre Sukumtat in the second round. So, I mean, Luke Sanders is a guy that I think um, is really underperformed the UFC, and I don't think anybody would disagree with that. All right, so uh, check out Joseph Valtellini on YouTube. Latest video is on how to finish your opponent's back leg. Is that yeah. something that Israel Adesanya or Anderson Silva should have watched before the fight? Uh, no, it was, it, more was, front uh, leg. it was more front leg. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... What made it impressive with the whole situation was that you can switch stances. That's what makes Anderson Silva and Israel Adesanya so such good strikers. It's they can mix and match their stance. So a lot of times we saw Adesanya fight in an orthodox, and then when he went southpaw, he has different arsenals. So the fact that he can change is important. But I would have liked him to have been a little bit more relentless attacking that lead leg. But uh, yeah, attack the back leg. So orthodox versus orthodox. How do you get that back leg? Absolutely. And what do we have next week? We've got another event. Uh... Coming up, let's see, what's, what's, I'm having a lot of trouble keeping up with the schedule of the UFC. There's so many events that it's tough to keep track. So, oh, the next one, next week is uh, the uh, U, uh, UFC in Prague, Czech Republic, headlined by Jan Blokovic and Tiago Santos. Okay. Okay is right. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. Peter Jan's on the card. I'm excited about that. Yeah. He's and, tough. He's fun. Yeah, and Lucy Pudilova I like a, uh, a lot as well. So, well, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, like we always say, it's those ones that we don't expect end up being the, the banger cards. Yeah, you know, this is one of those ones where you kind of accept what it is because you know it's like an ESPN Plus card and, a, you know, a regional card. And I actually think that if from top to bottom, there are a lot of really good-looking fights on this card. Your buddy Stefan Struve's on the card. Yeah, we'll see if he's he learned how to use the reach. No, probably not. Yeah. It's been long enough. There's no way. <laughs> well, Joe... Um, we'll be uh, back next week. You're not traveling until nope, um, second week of March, right? Uh, first week of March. First March ninth. Okay, Strasbourg. All right. Yep. Yeah, we were going to invite Francis Nagano out to the uh, yeah. the festivities. But his poor quality phone. Yeah, poor quality phone ended up uh, unfortunately cutting it to uh, to an end. The one thing that I found interesting from the interview that you won't hear is when I asked him his prediction for the fight. He goes, "I think I'm going to win in the second round uh, by knockout because I think Kane is going to wrestle me in the first round." Yeah. So does he not think Kane's going to wrestle him in subsequent rounds? No, I don't know. Does he think Kane's going to burn out after one round? I'm surprised he gave uh, his prediction, too. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of fighters don't. don't. Yeah. A, lot a lot of, of fighters say, Well, we'll see what happens. See. Yeah, you'll see. As a, as a fight interviewer now, and it's just like, 
I like. I mean, it's it's totally changed now that I've done production side and being the fighter side. I was like, man, even when I was fighting, I should have given a little bit more. You know, even if it's real or wrong, you just give it. How do you think you're gonna win? I'm gonna knock him out. I'm gonna knock him out in the second round. Who cares? Make something up. Yeah. Be good for TV. The more, the better you are for TV. The more people are gonna watch. Is better for your brand. So make it up. Yeah, and in, in the UFC, in the UFC, you can do something that yeah, that you're gonna throw your opponent off when they hear. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's gonna be a slow fight. Uh, it's gonna be probably a third round submission. Yeah, they and then, come and then out you come like out flying. Blasting. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. Strikes. Yeah, that's the way you got to do it. Just give something. Give an answer. So. Yeah. Tip for the the newbies. There aren't a ton of people that are great at mental warfare in in MMA. Oh, the best. Probably count them. Connor, Kale yeah. Sonnen. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just thinking all best in outside. John of the Jones, Mike, really Mike Tyson was the, yeah. the, the yeah, look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he he said Mike Tyson said as soon as he would stare in the eyes, as soon as the yeah. eyes would move, he knew he won. Yeah, as soon as the eyes left the target, they lost. That's why you see a lot of guys in stare downs. They won't move their eyes until the other person moves. Around. Yeah, so they'll, they'll even like to turn around. Yeah, like you know, stare, but they're still staring at each other's eyes because that it's the eyes. Yeah, Mike I would Tyson. I would just look at their ear. Yeah, throw them off. I was I'm a legs person. Oh, you look at the legs? No, I, I just look and like if I look up and down. And yeah. I look if they got small legs. I'm like, you're yeah. dead. It's not the look for me. It's like your legs are small. You you're analyzing them yeah. like a doctor. You don't squat. Your deadlift is weak. Uh, there's no way you can handle it. I got so, to me. I know power comes from the legs. You know, to hit hard, to kick hard, you need big, strong, athletic legs. If my legs are bigger, they're stronger. I know I lift and squat and deadlift more than you. So that gave me the confidence. So if you had little legs, I knew I was going to break you. So All right. me, Give me an legs. example of somebody who had really little legs that you picked apart, so I can go and watch the video. Um, all of the guys, but I, then, <laughs> but the the biggest leg destruction I did was a guy who had bigger legs than me. who Raymond Daniels. No, it was uh, Francois Ambang. Okay, he has this huge muscular, looks like a bodybuilder. Is a bigger target for you? Yeah, just like easier for me. Mm-hmm. It's more muscle. It's actually sometimes it's the the like if I'd rather be kicked by a big leg. Like mm-hmm. a big muscular meaty leg than one of these like skinny yeah, like, sharp <laughs> like bones. chopsticks. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a sword versus like a like, like a mine. bat, like I, a yeah. club. <laughs> I have it's like mine is like a bat with like a little bit of foam padding around. Mm-hmm. It. It's still gonna hurt, but when you have someone who's skinny and their bone is just protruding and it's just like Ooh. they just touch you and you're like it's just annoying. Holy, yeah. It's like a blade. It's just it's annoying. Have you ever hurt yourself really badly kicking somebody? Um, once. Who's that? Um, it was um, my first Muay Thai fight. I caught the kick, and one of my strategies, every time I catch the kick, I'll throw one of the legs to the side and I either throw a big punch or I throw you off balance and I come in with a hard low kick. Um, he was a good Muay Thai guy, so I pushed the leg. I was like, I'm going to chop his leg. So I lifted his legs, and I gave it like a 55-yard a field goal kick. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He just brought his knee right up at a point Ooh. where it hit. Because yeah. Muay Thai guys are, block with their knee a lot of the time. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, usually my timing and my off-balancing, they can't block it. That's why my mm-hmm. low kick was so effective because yeah. people can't block it. So I did it. I've done this a million times, but he was the one that must have just caught his balance and just enough. But that's when you get the Anderson Silva shin breaks. It's one of situations right. like yeah. that where you commit to it thinking you have it and it's there, and then they just bring it up that last second. So that's, I'm lucky, knock on wood, that uh, Did you end up winning survived. that one? That was my that was my one loss. Yeah, it was the Muay Thai. I think you've talked to me about it. It was this my one first ever loss. I mean, I didn't I again I'll defend myself. I had seven professional fights fighting French Muay Thai champion who had 70 professional mm-hmm. fights. I never used elbows. He's used elbows in all his fights. So first and round was a decision or uh, yeah. yeah. First round he cut me with an up elbow, my first cut ever in my career. 
Um, second round, I almost knocked him out, and then he bounced off the ropes and hit me with another elbow, swelled my eyes shut. So it's the elbows. Like, outside of the elbows, I, 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 beat, I, I beat him. It's just his elbows did the more damage. All right. I'm still bad about it. it. You can yeah. tell me I'm yeah, still pissed I, I, about it. I can. It. You're, you're very if intense you, when you talk. If, <laughs> I actually hate bringing it up because yeah. the, the intensity is uh, a little much you, for me. If you watch my Glory debut, there's a time where um, Tim Hughes announces my record. And as soon as he announces, you know, and coming in, I think I was a 7-1 and one when I went in my Glory debut. Or a 6-1, and 7-1. and one, And I just make this face. I hated hearing that one. I hated it. Pissed <laughs> me off. Still get upset about it. I've got to say... At the highest level of MMA and combat sports, all the ring announcers are good. Oh, yeah. I've thought about this recently. It's like Bruce Buffer's great. Joe Martinez is great. Uh, Tim Hughes is great. Yeah. The guy from Be- Michael w- Williams, Michael Amazing. C. Williams is great. Yeah. He might be my favorite. But actually. have Michael you ever been to a local event where they have a terrible, oh, terrible. one? Oh, yes, absolutely. It ruins the show. It, it does. It, it really ruins. does. Because bazookas, we're, doing a, we're, we're running a tournament this year. It's... Um, Bazooka Invitational we're doing. So yeah. um, we're going to have uh, a, a, our own kickboxing events. So we're like, the key is a good ring announcer. So maybe i got to fly Tim Hughes down or do something. It. Are you good at it? Well, really? I'll bring it. I'll we'll bring try. it, man. I'll do the best I can. All right. All right. Where, where's it being held? At the gym here? Um, no, we're going to do it. We're going to rent like a banquet hall, and we're going to put it up, set it up nicely. Because I want to run events a couple times a year. You know, with Glory coming here, we got to build the market. We got to build young talent wanting to, to stay with kickboxing. You know, UFC and MMA needs to stop stealing kickboxers. Well, before we wrap, I can do a, a, a fake intro for you, for, for yourself. Oh, all right. Is this your demo reel? Yeah, this is my demo reel. If, it, if it's terrible, you can tell me. We just we just won't hire me. All right. I've never done this before, by the way. So if it, if it is really good and blows you away, it'll be great. And if not, you'll understand why. I'm a little why. nervous. All right. Making his way to the ring, weighing in at 170 pounds. He is a kickboxer from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Not bad. That's not bad. I like, I like the guys that do Valtellini. Valtellini. They have to say oh, it at the end. Bazooka Joe. <laughs> Altolini. Altolini. And then they say it again. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah, it needs not work. bad. But All a right. few we're it's, I think we're gonna do it in June, so you have some time to practice. All right, cool. There Perfect. You, go. you gotta wear your bow tie though, you gotta do the whole look though. Well what's the date tuxedo though? Is, is it gonna be tie. when UFC two thirty eight is? Oh I'll wear a bow know. tie and tuxedo, sure. Done. All right, cool. All right. Good do, I get, do I get like a uh, budget for uh, renting a tuxedo or no? Eh, we'll see. Don't okay. get we'll All right. Cool. Get yeah, I mean, it's my first time. I should probably <laughs> rent a tux. Yeah, you should probably pay us a little bit to dry it, but well, all right. Uh, you, yeah, you, well, you can <laughs> I'll throw you a couple bucks. Yeah. Well, I'd probably just bring in, bring in Tim Hughes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, Joe. All right, we'll, we'll see you uh, soon, buddy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week where we will respond to what happens on the first ever ESPN card. It's this Sunday, TSN2. Festivities start at 5 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.